2: Hey, everyone. Today's guest is Vinny Caruana, lead vocalist for the Brooklyn, New York punk rock band, I Am The Avalanche. Together, we take a deep dive into the writing, recording, and inspiration behind the fan-favorite song, Brooklyn Dodgers, taken from their 2011 album, Avalanche United. I told Vinny that this song kind of has it all. It's a punk rock song at its core, with pop overtones and gang vocal nods to New York hardcore. All blended into a great sing-along anthem I was surprised to learn that this was drummer Brett Romniz's first stab at recording the band and not just I am the avalanche any band and he absolutely hit it out of the park I really had no idea where Vinny was going with these lyrics and was anxious to hear the story behind them because the imagery and conviction how he sings these lyrics are killer and we had another first here on Krista makes a podcast I never thought for the life of me that I would ever have the chance to seamlessly throw in a reference to New York Mets Hall of Famer Dwight Gooden into an episode, but it happened today. For all this and a ton more, stay tuned.
3: Hey, hey, have you heard? Krista makes a pie?
2: Well, hey, Vinny, how's it going? Hey, what's up, Chris? Nice to meet you. I don't think we've ever met. I was just going to ask you, did Less Than Jake play with the movie life back in the day? (gasps) We had to have. We had to have. I
4: mean, definitely on like a (laughs) warped tour or something, you know. Oh, yeah. But no, nice to meet you formally. Or nice to meet you in another life. You know what I mean?
2: Absolutely, man.
4: <laughs> where where are you at right now? I'm in my kitchen in Brooklyn, New York, in the neighborhood of Greenpoint.
2: Still a New Yorker. I love it. Yeah, I'm hanging on. <laughs> half
4: of, like half, half of our friends have left, like half of our like New York social circle.
2: Right on. Well, you know, you uh, were in the movie life from 1997 to 2003. You guys have done a bunch of of reunion shows over the years. I think the most recent might have been 2014. Is that correct?
4: Yeah, so we reunited like yeah around that time, and we still play shows from time to time.
2: And then uh, you did a short stint. I did not know this playing in Head Automatica before you started. I am the Avalanche in two thousand four.
4: Yes. So as the movie Life was breaking up, Daryl was getting Head Automatica going. So you know he and I would talk all the time, and he knew what was going on with me and movie Life and everything. So. He was trying to put the band together uh, because he had already made the first record, so he was trying to like get the thing going and have it be like a tangible thing. So the timing was good. So um, he's like, "Why don't you play guitar and head Automatica? I need, you know, we need like backup vocals too and all this stuff." And so I dove headfirst into trying to be a guitar player. I played my ass off trying to. I really didn't play that much guitar in the movie life days, and I really had to cram and learn how to be (laughs) you know so yeah so i I, you know that was uh that was probably about a half a year that i was in the band and we were working together um we played two shows before i left to start avalanche but that was like such a fun and amazing time in my life we basically half the band was in san francisco so we would periodically live in san francisco for a month or two which i love because it's an amazing city and yeah, an amazing weird transitional time between Movie Life and Avalanche
2: being in a head automatica. It was it was cool. Right on. Well, uh, I, I've crossed paths with Daryl. For the listeners, Daryl played in a band called Glassjaw, and then he started Head Automatica, and he actually played the guitar lead on a song called Rest of My Life that Less Than Jake did. <laughs> we were already out of Los Angeles. The record was done, and we had we had put horns there. We had put keyboards. We had done a bunch of stuff, and our producer, uh, Daryl, was around, and he said, hey, can you play this part? And he played the melody line. So <laughs> Crazy. <laughs> Listen, what's up, Daryl? How you doing? Thought the thought some of the fans would would want to know about that. But I'm the Avalanche. Your self titled debut album was released on Drive Through Records in September 2005, and uh, known known Richard and Stephanie forever. Of so course. how how did that come about?
4: Well, the movie Life was on Drive Through, and uh, Richard and Stephanie had me signed to a deal, so they exercised the option, and the yeah, the first Avalanche record came out. Kind of in the final year that they were really you know, I guess things were dwindling a little bit in the drive through uh world, and so, yeah, we were kind of part of like the last batch of records that came out on the
2: label yeah when when bands were still you know selling records before it fully petered out,
4: oh, totally, I mean at least even by that point, I feel like bands weren't really selling records, yeah. As much, anyway.
2: Yeah, it was 2006. I'm telling you, right when YouTube hit, that was really the end of it. I mean, that just, uh, that was really your first streaming service at that point, you know? Yeah,
4: so that record came out like during the last gasp of the record industry as we knew it.
2: Well, I do want to uh, congratulate you. Not many people can be in, in, in two bands. I've seen so many people try to start another band and just, you know, never have that success. And, 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 and you're in two successful bands that are still going at different times. I think that's really cool.
4: Well, thank you very much. I, I appreciate it. And uh, I definitely appreciate the people that have stuck by me and that seem to be connecting with my stuff.
2: Absolutely. And again, for the listeners, you guys, one of your first tours, I guess, you did with Punchline and No Use for a Name. Uh, Chris put that in my notes here, so I just wanted to to give that shout out.
4: Yes. Amazing tour of North America. Absolutely love No Use for a Name. The whole band does, so we were really excited about that. And Punchline and us have gone way back. I mean, I don't know if Chris ever chimes into your interviews, (laughs) but I think that...
2: Chris, you should chime in right now.
1: Chris Fafali is here, chiming
4: in. <laughs> I think Movie Life and Punchline even played together like in the late 90s, early 2000s, if I'm not mistaken.
1: I think I recall one show at the Roboto Project in Pittsburgh back in the day, and maybe a few shows together in West Virginia somewhere.
4: Oh, uh, cool. Um, yeah, I knew I, I knew I was right with that one, but... Um... <laughs> The, uh, yeah, Punchline and I'm the Avalanche, we've always gotten along really well and we've been lucky enough to play a bunch of shows together.
2: So I have a question. The record Avalanche United was released in October of 2011. And that album features the song uh, we're going to talk about today, Brooklyn Dodgers. And that was six years between your first record. Were you guys touring a bunch? Did you, did you have a hiatus in there? That seems like a pretty long, long time between records
4: uh there were a few things going on so we did tour a lot we toured a ton we said yes to like every single tour and we were barely home back back in those days a few things were going on so once we got home and we weren't touring as much we kind of liked it and we we (laughs) we definitely were not making money on tour you know we were all started bartending Everyone started working jobs, being able to pay the rent, not, you know, like, uh, that was definitely part of it. We kind of got into the idea of being back home in New York City, having a good time, making money. I like reconnected with a woman who I had met like seven years prior uh, during that time. And now she's my wife who I've been with for 13 years now.
2: Oh, congratulations.
4: So like, we just, we were like, as that was all going on, we were still into the band and we were writing new music and stuff, but we were definitely like, I don't know, we were we didn't have the mindset of, of of a touring band that like had aspirations of like I don't know what our aspirations were. I think we didn't put too much pressure on ourselves. We we liked being in our band, but we kind of figured at that point that maybe we didn't want to be on tour all the time. And at the same time, I mean, there, we were still signed to Drive Through. Not much was going on in that in that situation. Like, we kind of felt stuck on a label that did wasn't really active anymore. So, we were kind of in this stagnant place. Uh, but at the same time, like other parts of our lives were not in a stagnant place, and we were kind of we were kind of experiencing life in New York City again, and we liked it and then yeah rob hit the dr- do you know rob the drummer of midtown
2: of course yeah
4: his label i surrender came up to us and was like what's going on because some demos had leaked and people really liked them brooklyn dodgers was one of the demos i listened to it <laughs> rob through his relationship with drive through and richard and stephanie and he managed to get us out of the deal and get us onto his label and then life resumed for the avalanche and the good thing was we had been writing music for like six years you know we, we really we had we knew we had already had a good record ready to go
2: well, uh, thank you for your your humble recollection of that, and I, and I, and I say humble because you you, you wouldn't know it. You, you would think you guys are the biggest band in the world. I've watched so many live videos of this song, and the, really? your fans just, I mean, <laughs> they go nuts. Yeah. I mean, every fist is in the air, because this song is such an amazing sing-along. In all, you guys have released four full-length albums and three EPs. Uh, the other two records were Wolverines in 2014 and a record called Dive that came out in November of uh, 2020. Uh, Les Than Jake also released Least a record in the pandemic year <laughs> don't, I don't, so, we neither we of you.
4: us re, neither of us recommend it to anybody listening
2: no no i i don't don't recommend doing that doing that again but i want to jump into the track right now Vinny. it's three minutes and six seconds there's six seconds of a feedback uh guitar intro that comes up and then a snare fill comes in with stereo guitars bass for two measures and then immediately into verse one. The drums are playing this really cool backbeat and an overdub guitar or guitars is providing a dissonant kind of noodle throughout. It adds great tension to those major root notes that are happening here. Am I hearing stereos playing the power chords with an overdub doing those dissonant parts?
4: Yeah, there's definitely two rhythm guitar. Uh, it's like this jazz chord. Yeah, I taught myself how to play guitar, so I don't know what anything is. But um, <laughs> I found I found like this jazz kind of chord and the, wrote the whole song because I I was like, oh, what's that? I love when that happens.
2: Yeah. And, the, and that part, that chord is killer because that tension, because this song is so major and has this pop element to it, but it takes it to a whole other place.
4: Totally. And it pays off big time in the major chorus, you know? Yes. And so, yeah, there's two rhythm guitars just hammering that that jazzy power chord. And um and then, yeah, Brandon Swanson is definitely doing that kind of minor floaty thing floaty lead, yeah.
2: Again, I I love that part, and I do want to talk about the demo that you just brought up, because I did listen to it. The demo is slightly slower, but really, it only differs in the bridge, the vocals there, and at the very end of the song. Uh, There's a few words here and there that are flip-flopped in that part, but other than that, it's identical. Um, And there's also this guitar noodle in the choruses mimicking the vocal line that I I don't hear that in the the finished product, but I mean, the song's pretty much all there so it doesn't sound like it changed too much when you got to the studio is that is that correct
4: yeah i mean when the demos leaked that kind of handcuffed us you know Uh, (laughs) if nobody heard it like if nobody heard it that's fine but um everyone all every one of our fans was stoked on it and it had been four or five years or something you know since the last record. So,
2: and how did that demo leak before the record? Any idea? We went to the studio and worked with like
4: a few younger producer guys who, who I think they were working with some of our friends and we just wanted to try out something new. So we went in and recorded like four demos with these guys and nothing really happened. Like we didn't have a deal yet. Like things kind of fizzled out. We you know, we weren't sure if we were going to be doing the record with them or what. They just said, come in and record some stuff, see how you like it kind of thing. Um, and then eventually they just appeared one day. So I imagine one of those guys leaked it or they gave it to some friends and they liked it and they leaked it or or we gave it to our friends and they, I have no idea. But uh, once it leaked, it wasn't the worst thing in the world. Um, uh, I was going to say, yeah. We started playing that song at shows and it was as if it was on our first record you know that's cool it was a real force um which felt great yeah we knew that we kind of had like an avalanche anthem on our hands which is cool too because like the first full length is very different than avalanche united avalanche united has a kind of like straightforward kind of punk anthems at least that was the goal so when people heard brooklyn dodgers they immediately started saying like just immediately like we started closing with it and it wasn't even out on a record so that, that we knew that we were on something good and we knew that we had a bunch more like that on the record that like people were going to connect to.
2: Yeah, there's just something, there, there's so much going on in this tune. It's like, it's got that, that dissonance I'm talking about. It is poppy. It's major in points, especially that chorus when it goes to that. But I also hear elements with the way that the gang vocals are structured, almost like that New York hardcore thing. There's yeah. a lot going on here. It's great.
4: That's definitely ingrained in most of us in the band. and And yeah, as soon as we were, as soon as, I don't know if there's any gang vocals on the first record, um but as soon as we we knew we were doing this kind this kind of record with these kind of songs we knew there was going to be at least i did when i was approaching it vocally I, my mind was completely open to a lot of group vocals and lots of yeah. wo- lots of woes and haze and and gang vocals backing up choruses and like totally like uh what came natural to me when I was just sitting there with a pen and paper listening to the, you know, recordings of the music.
2: And I understand your drummer uh, produced this record and and another one of your records. And his last name is pronounced Romney's or Roms. Romness. Brett Romness. Romness.
4: We call him the rat. Everybody calls him the rat. Okay. So he, he taught himself how to make records and that, this is his first thing he ever did. <laughs> Avalanche United.
2: <laughs> That's amazing. Cause this record sounds pretty awesome. Who mixed the album?
4: It was mixed by Machine. Do you guys remember the producer, uh, Machine?
2: No, I don't.
4: He made a lot of heavy records. I knew him through, like, we kind of knew of him through the Vision of Disorder guys.
2: Oh, okay. Okay.
4: So Machine mixed that. So Rat started learning how to use Pro Tools and recording shit. And um, before that, we were working with Machine. We went in and demoed with him. And we were thinking we would do the record with Machine. But we didn't have a deal then. And by the time like it got to, hey, we got to record the record, we didn't have any money. So it's kind of wild, like the timing was perfect. Like we could go in with our drummer, who's not charging us studio time and make the record. So that's the only reason we didn't end up recording the whole record with Machine, but thinking back to it now, he was probably like, what's up, what happened? And we were like, well, we didn't have any money. And then Rat learned how to make records. And then we gave him the mixing gig.
2: Well, correct me if I'm wrong. You say he learned how to make records. This was his first thing. He learned how to kind of use some recording equipment. This is a bold move on your part to trust your drummer to record you. This record sounds awesome, man. <laughs> Thank you. I mean, it's, it, 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 it it's sounds wild. the bass tone on this. The vocals sound sound awesome. And how great did the record sound raw, just in the studio before you got it to machine to mix? Because the tones here are great. Oh,
4: I wonder. Uh, Um, shit. You're making me want to go back and like find the board mixes from this and like A, B it. I'm sure Machine, machine, I'm sure brought some beef to the, to the table.
2: If you talk to Brett, uh, just tell him in my humble opinion, it sounds awesome. And it's a great uh, first effort of recording. It's awesome.
4: I'll absolutely let him know. And he's been, you know, his career uh, as a producer is just, blowing up right now like he's making big records um he's constantly busy so that that was his jumping off point and now he's like one of the main go-to guys in like the indie kind of punk scene
2: that's great well i want to jump into verse one here i'm gonna uh, recite these lyrics and have you set them uh, set them up for us Vinny. i'll look at a graveyard while i'm in the shower and i sing my songs not in the morning when the water is boiling late late at night and I'll think to myself.
4: Okay, so I was living in Astoria, Queens in a three-bedroom apartment for $1,500 in 2000, 2006, 2007. That apartment is probably like $4,500
2: <laughs> I was going to say.
4: <laughs> um, and so in the shower, open the window in the shower, Looked down onto an old graveyard from like the 1800s. With like like gangs in New York style shit, you know what I mean? like an old
2: old graveyard
4: in, in in Queens.
2: did you pay extra for that view? <laughs>
4: Apparently not. We were only paying <laughs> 500 dollars yeah. a person um, And then you know in unless you live in a house, if you live in an apartment building in New York City, uh if everyone's showering in the morning, then you don't get hot water sometimes, depending on the building that you live in. So that's just, uh, you know, I'm singing a definitely stream of consciousness thing where like I'm in the shower and then I kind of just threw that in on the end uh, because I know that, yeah, like at night, the shower's hot. So we would shower at night. <laughs>
2: I love it. Well again, those stereo guitars, bass, and drums, that drum still holding down that backbeat, I'm calling it, uh, here in verse one. We get our first harmonies in the song on the line late, late at night. On the second line, and I sing my songs, there's this guitar that's off right that yeah. happens there. This little this little noodle. And then at the last line, and I'll think to myself, there's this little guitar run that happens by itself before we get into chorus one. And I think
3: to myself, whatever.
2: And I gotta ask Vinny, it sounds to me, if not on the whole thing, like on most of this song, that the vocals would, were double-tracked. Is that correct?
4: I would imagine so. That I, I like to double everything. I like verses to be doubled. I like choruses to be more than doubled. Maybe I should have dug into this song and dissected it with you guys, and I wouldn't know what you're talking about. But
2: No, I actually preferred it this way. I, I, okay, I was telling my, my, my guest that I, I prefer to do the heavy lifting and have, have you come in, and whatever your recollection is, that's what it is.
4: Okay, cool. <laughs> um, I, I wouldn't be surprised if the verses were doubled. And yeah, like the lead guitar, Brandon's lead guitar, kind of does kind of meander around. He kind of yeah. gets to hang and yeah the the little guitar riff right before the chorus yeah it's just something to rev it up and i don't know dropping out right before the chorus is never a bad idea
2: well it's great and i love when this chorus hits uh at 35 seconds we're already at chorus number one Whatever happened to the Brooklyn Dodgers? Whatever happened to me? Whatever happened to all the New York gentlemen? My dad, he said, "Son, you're looking at one."
4: So my dad's from South Brooklyn and would always talk about the Brooklyn Dodgers <laughs> to us as kids. And he had like a you know he had like a frame picture of Ebbets Field that no longer stands. There's probably like a target there right now, and that was just part of his you know. The stories my dad would tell growing up, we just were super aware of the Brooklyn Dodgers, even though they didn't exist, like, in our lifetime.
2: I was going to say, he had to be, what, maybe a teenager when they were still around? Because they were done in, what, the 60s?
4: I don't know the exact date that they finished, but he was born in 1946. So he was probably not even a teenager when they stopped. But, like, you know, when I think back to, like, my... You know, so the New York, I was raised a New York Mets, New York Jets, and New York Islander fan. And that's kind of tough. There hasn't been a whole lot of glory there. But the last time the Mets won the World Series was 1986. I was born in 79. So I was, you know, seven when they won, six or seven.
2: The Dwight Gooden days.
4: Yeah. (laughs) and that's kind of the sweet spot like that's when I knew everyone's stats on the back of baseball cards and stuff
2: yeah absolutely
4: my dad remembers it as a kid and he remembers the Dodgers like walking around his neighborhood and stuff and like you know saying what's up to the kids and I don't know they made a big impact on
2: my dad how does this play back to verse one I'm trying to I'm trying to, to figure this out here or does it
4: well, that's the thing, the line at the end of the verse that ties it into the chorus. And I think to myself, and what I'm thinking is whatever happened to the Brooklyn Dodgers,
2: you know? <laughs> yeah, that is, that is really cool. What's the, what's the part about New York gentlemen? What do you, what are you saying there?
4: I guess like whatever happened to the Brooklyn Dodgers is more like commentary on like mo- modern life, you know what I mean? And like, New York's filled with non New Yorkers. Oh yeah. And I love so many of them. So I'm not complaining about that. It's just one of those cities, you know what I mean? And I I think that like a lot of the, there's definitely a New York attitude. You go down and order a sandwich in South Brooklyn. Like you're going to have to speak up and you're going to have to keep it moving. You know what I mean? But like, yeah. And it's best that you order it in a New York or Brooklyn accent so that you get the respect of, you know, you don't want to sound like a tourist no anyway, you don't want
2: them to, to skimp on the cheese either
4: yeah yeah the, you don't want to <laughs> you, got, you want to be treated with respect so it's the same thing like with like oh new york everyone's got such an attitude and it's like ah, i don't think so i think i think a lot of that has to do with the people moving to new york yeah and them trying to assume some like new mindset where they got to walk around with a you know chip on their shoulder. So anyway, I think it's just more like that like whatever happened to the New York gentleman um is just like another way of saying what ha- ever happened to the Brooklyn Dodgers.
2: Well, I've been dying to ask you what these mean for a couple of days. I love the imagery here. I I, I really oh, cool. do, man. It's Thank it's you. it it just it just grabs you. Uh, again, um the, the big stereos are here, the bass drums, that cool riff some great stuff vocally, as I mentioned. On whatever happened on line one and three, we get those big gang vocals. We get a mm-hmm. harmony on Brooklyn Dodgers, and we also get a harmony on York Gentlemen, not on New, just on York Gentlemen. These are subtle harmonies, I'm calling them, because parts of them are in unison, but you also uh, throw in a couple harmonies. It's, it's a little bit of both, which is really cool.
3: All the new York gentlemen.
4: Oh, that's cool. And thank you so much for your kind words, by the way. It's awesome. You're obviously a total legend, so it's cool that you're—it's weird that you're dissecting my song right now.
2: Oh, Vinny, thank you. That means a lot. No, this this song's great. After the second line, Whatever Happened to Me, you get this guitar noodle panned off to the right and then before you say my dad the last line there's a guitar noodle that's panned off left at the end of chorus one the last line just by itself there's a snare and a crash that happens two times and then a floor tom and snare together it's just powerful. It's so simple, but it's powerful before we get into verse two. And I noticed on the demo, this part was a lot more flashy. You dumbed it down for the recording, and I think it was gr- it was great that you did that.
3: One, I mention my dad because he jokes about the times that he's had back when he was a hippie.
4: I mean, now, maybe being a little bit more, you know, in tune with my songwritingness, dropping before the verse and then before the second verse and then dropping again before the second chorus would be something I would be like, ah, I don't know, but it does work here for sure. I love the way the, um, the second verse slams in for sure. And then just gets right back to the story, you know.
3: I've been
1: Hey everybody! We got lots more with Vinnie Caruana after a few words from our sponsors. Chris, as you know, Rockabilia.com is our sponsor. And I think it's a pretty awesome sponsor because I'm on there with our discount code, trying to see what can I use my 15% off on. You know what I saw in there today that I really want? What was that? There's a Faith No More Angel Dust long sleeve t-shirt with like the cover of Angel Dust on it. Oh,
2: man, that's killer. Well, I was on there last night, Chris, looking for stage clothes for my upcoming run for Less Than Jake. We have coming up in December. So, yeah, this is uh, this site couldn't have come at a
1: better time. Yeah, you have over 500,000 items to pick from. I'm sure you could find something cool on there. I hope so. Yeah, go to rockabilia.com and enter the
2: code Demakes for fifteen percent off, and you two can have some killer new
1: duds for this holiday season. Everyone you can imagine is on Rockabilia. They have more band merch than any other company or website, and everything is officially licensed, so you don't have to worry. Your money is going to the artists. Uh, you're not just buying. <laughs> you're not buying knockoff stuff on Rockabilia.com. You're buying officially licensed products and you'll guaranteed find lots of things that you'll like and lots of things that you'll be like, "Hmm, that'll make a good gift for my buddy Joe." Joe will love that. <laughs> Joe will love that Faith No More uh long sleeve Angel Dust t-shirt.
2: Yeah, it fe- you know, their site features bands pretty much from every range or genre of music over 500,000 items, Chris. That's insane. Yes, it is insane.
1: Rockabilia.com, not only do they sponsor our show, but I'm also a shopper there and
0: At LuckyLandslots.com. Available to players in the U.S., excluding Washington and Michigan. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. I took a baseball bat, straight
3: to the knees. I buckled over in the cold street. The
1: and now, back to the show. I mention
2: my dad because he jokes about the times that he's had back when he was a hippie and how our relatives changed their names just to seem more American.
4: So my dad, you know, he was like, yeah, he was a hippie. He like tried to get to Woodstock, but never made it because there's too much traffic. Um, (laughs) And- The struggle was real. Yeah, so like we always grew up being like, you know, and like we we listened to a lot of that, that kind of music growing up, like a lot of artists that played Woodstock, that would be on in the house, you know? So that was just another thing. Like you you really do remember some of the things your parents tell you when before you get old enough to start tuning them out, you know, like when you're a, <laughs> when you're a teenager, but like it was it, two things were very clear. Brooklyn Dodgers, well we became New York Mets fans because we didn't have the Dodgers anymore. The New York Islanders were fucking amazing for the first 4 years of my life. They won 4 Stanley Cups in a row the first 4 years I was born. I was too young to enjoy any of that and the fact that you know woodstock was a thing and that the band was the band up on Cripple creek the band band bob dylan's band so these things were just always uh, they just creep into when i'm thinking about my dad or and which i am in the song like these things just kind of rise to the surface and i just start having memories of of his stories and um so yeah our relatives straight up change their last names change their first names to seem less italian my dad's family is from sicily but i'm third generation you know like my grandparents were born in brooklyn my dad was born in brooklyn and i was born in long island anyway so i remember telling the story about my grandfather whose name is vincenzo and um nobody called him Vincenzo. His name was Vincent, but everybody called him James or Jimmy for some weird reason. There's a lot of that in my family. Like all, all the Sicilians, there's like a lot of Jims and Jimmies and Jamesies. And they're not all like named James. They're like, my grandfather's name is Vincenzo. Everybody called him Jimmy.
2: Well, people used to do this with their last names, too. Like, your last name's Caruana, but, like, they would say Car, like Vincent Carr, or, yes. or, you know, but your last name is still very Italian-sounding, but they, so this was pretty much people doing their first names, you're saying.
4: Yeah, well, we had one of our, one of our, the families, uh, one of the many families in our family were called Straight Up Macaroni. <laughs> <laughs> and they changed their name to maconey yeah i probably would have too the carawan has never never changed the last name but my my grandfather did my grandfather before he passed away it was clear that he had changed his name to vincent so we were like what how, like how'd you do that how do you just change your name he said he went into the dmv back in the day like you know, old Brooklyn days. And one of his friends was working there and he's like, can you change my name? And he <laughs> changed his name on his license.
2: <laughs> nice. Yeah. yeah. Back back in the day when you, when you could do those things so, so easily.
4: Otherwise I would be Vincenzo. I'm named after him. And, and the only reason it's Vincent is because he changed his name
2: right on well there's some cool things happening here in verse two that i really like again that back that backbeat i'm calling that drum beat uh it's almost like a reverse beat that's happening is in for the first two lines of verse two then it goes to a straight rock beat for lines three and four which i love that i love that you get it again yeah you know when it goes to the straight beat you're still getting that dissonant guitar from verse
3: one their
2: right after the line uh, when you say he was a hippie that real guitar happens panned off right the second half of this Vinny, when it goes to that straight beat man there is some great melodic bass playing on these last two lines with a killer tone and again hats off to Brett the rat for this the tone's great
4: kellen robson who's been our bass player since day one. He doesn't tour with us anymore because he's got a career A career, otherwise. He still plays on the records. I mean, in my opinion, he's probably the most underrated bass player in punk. He came up in the school of definitely studying. Um, what's the dude in Rancid's name? Matt Freeman. I mean, obviously a fucking insane bass player.
2: Absolute ripper, yeah.
4: I think Kellen kind of grew up getting down with that shit um the bass playing in a lot of or, or some of that west coast shit that would stand out i think he would latch on to and he he's a- absolutely insanely good at bass. so he really shined on this
2: the parts are so tasteful there's they're so good and if, if he's listening hey you, i agree completely underrated i don't hear his name mentioned and it should because he's great yeah the last line here just to seem more american we get a harmony on that let me go right into chorus two american,
3: whatever happened to the whatever happened At one. She said you're looking at one.
2: This chorus is pretty much the same as chorus one, except we get one more line. At the very end, you say, he said, you're looking at one at one and right at the end before that the end of the 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 full chorus i'm calling you say son you're looking at one and you hold that out one uh on it's a cool holdout into eight bars of hi hat a kick bass and riffy guitars that i'm calling the musical bridge
3: he said you're looking at one
2: And the next part is the bridge with vocals. This part is the same feel as that musical bridge, but there's some great snare work interspersed with those stereo guitars bass and those riffy noodly guitars. Hey, hey,
3: hey, 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 hey. We said we go our own way. And hey,
2: Hey 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 hey, we said we go our own way, and hey 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 hey, why don't we start today, today? Hey 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 hey, we said we go our own way. Whoa oh, what happened those days? Hey 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 hey, tell me, tell me. This was the one part that was drastically different from from the demo in terms of lyrics, but I love what you have here.
4: That was definitely just me vamping and kind of, you know, when you're kind of just mumbling words. Yeah. This is definitely like me mumbling something and sticking with it. So I don't think that was supposed to be. Like I, I didn't write this thinking it would be in in the song, but it just felt good, <laughs> and I just didn't want to fight it. So
2: you couldn't best it. That's what happened. I've had <laughs> that happen so many times. You're like, oh, this is just a placeholder. This is just going to be something that I have there. It's going to be lyrics at some point, and you get, you're like, no, I, I can't beat what's there.
4: Yeah, it just felt right, and the song was still flowing, so I just didn't want to fuck it up. So fuck it up by overthinking it so definitely a nod to the song go your own way by fleetwood mac that i fell in love with oh, because cool. one of my favorite bands seaweed covered go your own way on the clerks soundtrack <laughs> I never really paid attention to Fleetwood Mac, but Seaweed covers it um, with like a, in a little bit more of a downbeat. Oh, it's like it's like a downbeat in the chorus, so it's more of a punk thing. So it's me, definitely just vamping, doing that, and then let's start today is definitely a nod to Gorilla Biscuits and oh, cool. It's all just this freestyled thing
2: that I kept. And you mentioned gorilla biscuits. I told you, I hear that New York hardcore in here, buddy. Oh,
4: for sure, yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah.
2: Yeah, it, It's awesome. Well, on the first five haze here, it's a big gang vocal. Third line on those hays, we have it again. I love the fourth line here because you say, "Why don't we start today?" And then you hold out by yourself today, and it goes through the next two lines all the way till we go our own way. Then you let out a whoa by yourself. You take today those haze that are there are all gang vocal and we said we go our own way are gang vocal by yourself on what happened to those days but as that's happening the next five hays as a gang vocal are tucked underneath that lead vocal there it's so good. And then yeah. the last line, tell me, you say by yourself, but then there's a gang scream with a harmony in there on the last tell me before it lifts into chorus three. Yeah. This part is this part is so good.
4: I think that's why I didn't want to change the vocals. Everything felt so right and flowed so right. And there's almost like a reggaeton kind of like thing going. Like if he wasn't doing the to do bat, like if he was just going. If he, if he stripped it down more, it would just go do ga do ga do ga do which is really random for an yeah. I'm Apple Yeah. But it worked. And there's so much straightforward strumming and straightforward drumming happening, you really do have to be like, what else can we do here in the bridge?
2: I've always said, a good song is a good song when you can pick up an acoustic and just play it. And it, it this song translates, because again, I watched you guys as a full band. I watched you play this acoustic, and the whole audience, especially the gang parts, they're going nuts. Whatever
3: happened to the to
2: sing? That's got to feel so cool when you're playing it alone. So cool. I love it. Well, chorus three comes in right off this bridge. And man, this chorus hits because the first line, whatever happened to, is just guitar panned off right and vocals. And on the word happened here, your voice kind of cracks almost. It kind of goes up a little bit. There's a weird thing that happens, and I love that you left that in there. It sounds real.
3: Whatever happened to the Brooklyn Dodgers? Whatever happened? to me Whatever happened to all the New York gentlemen Did they just float out to sea Whatever happened to all the New York gentlemen My daddy said Son, you're looking at one That you're looking at one
4: big sing-along it definitely like you know when that shit drops out the crowd knows that they're supposed to be singing that part I think and um yeah like when I know I'm gonna be singing it alone like totally exposed I definitely give it a little bit more like in the studio I I'd, I'd definitely give it a little bit more and any imperfections that are charming and not shitty I
2: like to keep that's definitely a charming imperfection there.
4: A la uh, Siv, like Siv the singer, Gorilla Biscuits. like He had a lot of little, little voice cracks and little rumbles and pops and things in his voice. And I think that's what endeared him to all of us.
2: Those happy accidents. Well, we get a, uh, we get a harmony on Brooklyn Dodgers here on that first line. And then the second line, we get a harmony on just to me. And then there's that guitar calling that's panned off right. The next line, whatever happened, we get that big gang vocal again, the harmony on York gentleman. Then the next line, it changes here. We get a new lyric here. Did they just float out to sea?
4: Just thought, extendo chorus, maybe introduce a new line just so things don't get played out. It rhymes. <laughs>
2: okay okay and then i I got a question on the next line it says whatever happened to all the new york gentlemen i almost felt like it could have said brooklyn dodgers there again was there ever that thought
4: it could have and i don't think that would have changed much
2: you know only because the song's called that i I think it's perfect as is but i I wanted to ask you that
4: yes i guess since it's the end of the song sometimes sometimes towards the end of a song depending on the song i like to repeat the last line I know that's not the very last line of the song but it's kind of like the very last line of the chorus before the tag at the end. Yeah. And I guess yeah, like my my brain and my and my songwriting heart at the time, yeah, just made me go that way. I probably wouldn't do that now. It's, it's a bit of an odd choice, but...
2: Well, it's it's not so much odd when I was listening to it, but when I'm visually looking at the lyrics on paper, I'm going, hmm, that stuck out at me. So right. I, I, I wanted to bring that up oh, to you. That,
4: I'm glad you brought that up. That's cool. I, it's insane how much you dove into this song it's
2: crazy <laughs> oh i've been i've been living your tune for the last last three days yeah that, you gotta that's, be uh, sick
4: of me by now man.
2: no not at all you gotta love be song. sick of
4: all of us i should say
2: no i love this i, I think the song's great um on that line we were just talking about gentlemen you hold out gentlemen this time that guitar noodle is panned off right on that line then you say my dad he said son you're looking at one and then the very last line the drums go halftime here and you say he said, you're looking at wah uh on. you hold yeah. that out. It's by itself hanging over those stereo guitars, bass, and just cymbals. And the song ends on the big D chord, which I'm calling that a suspense chord here. It doesn't resolve back to the F sharp major for the chorus, the root note, but it is what the song starts in in the verses in the intro. It starts in D, so it does resolve there. Yeah. And that, bring, that brings the track to its conclusion
4: you know what note feels right at the end of a song and when when things are starting in that key and things are starting on d it's like you know d in this situation for anyone listening is e it i'm the avalanche tunes a full step down yeah so it's just an open chord and that jazz chord that i learned was a d or an e depending on where what you're tuned to so for anyone ever wanting to play along to i am the avalanche tunes the first record is in E flat, everything else after that is in D standard. So a full step down.
2: In your opinion, Vinny, what is it? I mean, I, I think the song's awesome. I've already told you that but what is it about this song? You guys got some great songs. Why this one? This is a (laughs) runaway, a runaway fan favorite. The plays on this on Spotify, they're they're through the roof. What is it? Is is it the lyric? Is it the song? Is it uh, amalgamation of all of it? Because there's something very personal of this lyric. I I didn't know what the heck you were talking about here. I was so stoked to to, to break it down with you.
4: I think there's a few things. It's sentimental. For me, it's, the quick chord change in the chorus. Quick chord. If you hit that third one for a second, that's from the school of like, for me, at least, the way I found that kind of thing was through listening to Knapsack. Do you remember Knapsack back in the day? Af-
2: yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I just played with, with Blair's new band a couple years ago.
4: Oh, dude. Uh, racket Rat- Club? R- so fucking Racket good. Club.
2: Yeah, I went down with Hot Water Music and played uh, second guitar with them in one show in Sao Paulo, Brazil, and they they played with us. Wow! I know know the Knapsack guys, of course.
4: So Blair does that a lot. He'll do those quick little skips, and that little this is the reason I like it. That quick little skip with the melody over it, and with the sentimental lyrics, and I think that all is a winning recipe
2: it threw me when i picked up the guitar i'm like what happened here it's 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 like a knee-jerk thing i had to go figure out what you were doing there because it, it is odd
4: yeah and, and it's cool and it was just like that melody over that little skip just makes it hammers it in for me and then i would say one more thing like why other people might like it and why i end up liking certain songs certain songs are relentless and I like to think of it as like a chugging train that like a nonstop a train that's just boom. And that doesn't need to be like hammering hard rock into people's faces. Like I think one of the best examples of like a song that I love that is just a chugging train that just doesn't stop where every part that happens is good and everything works together and all the right melodies and all the right words are happening is, um, oh my God, everybody wants to rule the world. By Tears for Fears. Uh. We will
3: you on your best Turn your on wants to the
4: and, and it's that... It's almost like a yeah. shuffle. It's almost like that Rosanna shuffle. Or like the... Mm-hmm uh bernard purdy like shuffle so it's like i think brooklyn dodgers is a, a a version of a chugging train a nonstop train that just doesn't stop and doesn't give the listener any reason to like look at their phone or anything like <laughs> you know what i mean like oh i want to experience the rest of this song so hopefully like you know i don't know i guess yeah this is avalanche's biggest song for uh, i guess all those reasons. Maybe I don't know, you know what? Maybe maybe when we announce this episode of the pod, I can I can ask that question to our fans like what do you like about the Brooklyn Dodgers. You know what I mean? And maybe we can have a little bit of back and forth on that.
2: I think that I think that's perfect. Cool. Before we uh before we break here, what do you got uh, for the listeners? What do you got going on with with yourself with the band?
4: Yeah, I have I'm halfway done recording a new solo record with The Rat and then I and the Avalanche is going. We just announced today that we're going on tour with our friends in Bayside, and we're going into the studio to record an EP for that in like a month. Uh, not for that, but to have we want to have new music being released as that tour's happening. Um, I wrote a children's book um, that the pre order for that is up right now. Um, oh, cool! Yeah, dude. It I like. My wife works in like uh in hospitality, so she works in a fancy like five star hotel in Brooklyn by us. We like purposely got snowed into the hotel, uh, because it wasn't gonna be safe for her to travel back and forth for her shifts. So we just stayed in this hotel and I ate a bunch of edibles and wrote a children's book. Um <laughs> <laughs> and uh not like I, got, I had an idea for it for a long time, but I just got to it. Cause I was kind of snowed in. And, uh, yeah, I wrote this children's book about a boy and his little sister and their dog and the boy's best friend. And they figure out this ritual that they perform right before they fall asleep at a sleepover and then they can travel within each other's dreams. So it's like a lot of the book is in like dream sequences that are like assigned to each kid and like what they're into and stuff and what they want to dream about.
2: What's the book called and where can uh, the parents find it for for their children?
4: It's called Epic Sleepover. And I have a link for it in my Instagram bio. Perfect. It's really cool. I'm really proud of it. And I'm so stoked to like, as stoked to like, finally get that in my hands and like, touch it and smell it as I am with, you know, any kind of record I've ever been a part of.
2: Awesome, man. Well, congratulations. That's really cool. Thank you. Awesome. Well, that brings us to an end, Vinny. Thank you so much for sitting in with us. I, I really appreciate it.
4: I appreciate you. You guys, honestly, like, that's so. I need to go back and listen to some episodes because I, I just love, obviously, I love talking about my own <laughs> music, but like, I would love to hear uh, some of the up, other episodes in, uh, in your guys' uh, lineup because I was not expecting it to be this thorough for real like
2: you <laughs> yeah, know it's this a, song way better than i do it's a it's a pretty nerdy deep dive we get into here but it's a lot of fun
4: and I, I before we go i also just want to shout out Mike Ireland, Kellen Robson, The Rat and Brandon Swanson for making that record uh with me uh, making us making it all together it's a very special one to all of us so uh shout out to the whole original 5 Avalanche crew we made something cool and I'm going to tell them to listen to this because they're not going to believe how much of a deep dive you guys took into the <laughs> song either. So. <laughs> huh?
1: Well, that was a great episode. I'm sure you're going to hear me gush all about I'm the Avalanche and Vinny in the rap segment, and we have Band You Might Not Know coming up. So don't go anywhere. We got lots more Chris to makes a podcast after a few words from our sponsors.
2: Bowie, Dylan, Marley.
1: If you're looking for an inexpensive and unique gift for a friend, family member, or even for yourself, check out iloveenamelpins.com. From Hollywood stars like Jeff Goldblum and Meryl Streep, to fictional characters like the Golden Girls or Jack Torrance, to sports stars and musicians and politicians and dogs and cats, there's something for everyone at iloveenamelpins.com. As an added bonus. Use the discount code CHRISTAMAKES at checkout to save 30% off your order at iloveenamelpins.com.
2: As we near the end of the show, here's a band you might not know. Welcome to this week's Band You Might Not Know. If you'd like your band to be considered for Chris make a Podcast, all you have to do is email your best song via MP3 only and a short bio to band you might not Know at gmail.com. This week's featured artist is Brian and the Wards, self-described heartfelt skate punk. The band consists of Brian Ward on guitar and vocals, Ian Grushka on the bass, and Josh Swagler on drums. Their music is available on all streaming services. The track we're about to play features Ben Covert on guest vocals. Here's a snippet of that song, Gone. I look at me. Things are getting dark
3: and I don't see face I look up for you to around to find myself alone like you
1: what i give
3: to try you.
0: the rap with chris and chris
1: Hey, man, I've said this to my friends a bunch of times, but I seriously think that Vinny is kind of like the Fonz of punk rock, both personally <laughs> personally, and his onstage energy. I just think of him as the Fonz. I think he's like the coolest guy in punk. Arthur
2: Fonzarelli, lead vocalist <laughs> and guitarist for I Am The
1: Avalanche. I like it. Yeah, right. <laughs> I like it. You know, from the first time we toured with them, it was so cool touring with that band because... It got us fired up every night seeing such an energetic, heavy band that was so good live. I'll always think about seeing them live. They're, they're incredible. And this song is proof, you know? Yeah, I
2: can't believe I, I, I somehow, this song wasn't on my radar. I missed it. You had said, Hey Chris, let's get, you know, Vinny from Ivanly Avalanche on. I said, sure. You you said this is the song. And I, I was blown away, man. I'm I'm not yeah. just saying that. I, I told him this song's got a got so much here. And what's amazing is is I couldn't figure out at all what these lyrics were about. You know, and it just kind of a lot of it was a stream of consciousness, but it just goes to show you if you sing, it really doesn't matter what it is sometimes, if you sing it with a conviction and if it's the right song like this one is, it's just something
1: happens. It's, it's magic. This song also, I mean, obviously, based on most of the lyrics, it's just like the most New York sounding song to me it, in a good way. You know, these guys are, you know, very New York guys and uh, all the best parts of New York. Like you said, the influences here. There's even that New York hardcore, which I wasn't much of a hardcore guy, but in this song, in this setting, I just think it's perfect. Yeah, you can definitely hear it. I, I loved the, the brutal honesty
2: of, just, you know, Brett the Rat Romness, you know, their drummer. He had never recorded anybody before. Like, just because <laughs> he knew his way around Pro Tools a little bit, doesn't doesn't make you a producer or an engineer that could that could record a band. You, this is your second record that you, you're trying to you know
1: further your career here, and and he hit it out of the park, man, for real. Yeah, that guy, he's an amazing drummer. He's a really sweet dude, like you know one of the nicest people you can imagine. And I I didn't know this was like his first foray into and and like. Vinny said like now he's a he's a sought after producer and, and engineer but I didn't know this was the first thing he did it's impressive yeah and uh
2: he even mentioned their bass player Kellen uh his playing yeah. here is just very very tasteful uh it, it's no surprise to me why this song is 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 loved amongst their fans I did ask him at the end why why he thought that because you know they have a lot of a lot of great songs but there's as I said a moment ago there's something special here
1: I thought it was cool that Vinny talked about how he just found that Cord. He didn't know what it was. He just found it. Uh, dude, I can't tell you how many times I've done that. Maybe my buddies like Paul or Steve or somebody could be like, oh, that's that chord. I I don't know what this chord is. I just know it sounds cool. And I wrote a, I wrote a song based ar- <laughs> around these chords that I don't know what they are. I completely related to that.
2: Oh, yeah, yeah. And I almost am thankful at this point, because for a lot of years, I'm like, I wish I knew some music theory. I wish I knew how to read. I wish I knew this and that. But I have learned so much over the years as it is. I, and you've heard me say this, Chris. I wish I could go back to those guttural instincts of our first recordings, <laughs> you know. And if I if I knew much more than I did now, it might ruin the example that you just laid out, stumbling across a chord and not knowing what the heck it is.
1: Right. Well, I have that luxury because I am surrounded by so many people that can tell me what it is and (laughs) and maybe be like, okay, move – change this note to that note. That'll be, and I'll be like, oh, okay. I have that luxury. You brought up Jr. in your band being the guy who can read music and stuff and knows all the theory stuff. That's a luxury to have that, you know, but yeah, you're right. It is cool also to be this person. Who's just like, (laughs) who's just like an ape banging on strings. And like, that sounds good. Like a caveman or something, you know? (laughs) And I think that's fun. Uh, I thought it was really cool that Vinny talked about how this album leaked and how that worked. To their advantage. It reminded me of the Jimmy World thing. You know how we, we brought that up when we were yes. t- in the middle episode? How theirs they leaked theirs on purpose. Ben Folds did that before where he leaked the entire album. His, strangely enough, was he leaked his entire album, but all the songs were completely different songs, just with the same title. So then w- when the album came out, people were like, What? <laughs> these aren't these are completely different songs. That's real that's really going the extra mile, but that's I think genius. that's really cool. Yeah. Uh, So how crazy is it that Vinny said that I'm the Avalanche actually started closing their sets with this song before it was even out? It was only leaked at that point. They were already closing their sets with
2: it. Yeah, and he said it was like they had been playing it for years. The audience response was that crazy and rabid. And I saw it, man. I went and watched the live videos. I even told them, I watched the acoustic performance. And it's so funny. The crowd was singing the whole time, but especially they all got louder on those gang vocal parts. It's so cool to to hear during during a, a quiet acoustic performance.
1: Hey, I also thought it was really cool to hear Vinny's take on you know, I guess the stereotype of people from New York having attitudes. He said, no, it's not actually the people from New York. It's all the people who move here to New York (laughs) thinking they need to like uh, have that chip on their shoulder to fit in. So it's not the New York natives. It's the people moving in who have the attitude who now live in New York. I thought that was funny. I never thought about that before. But when he says that, I think of all these friends I have who are native new yorkers and like yeah they're all really nice people (laughs) you know like i can't think of a single person i know who's from new york who isn't like a person i consider a friend uh (laughs) and the other thing that i thought was cool that i couldn't agree with more is that he mentioned because you brought up the one part where his voice kind of cracks uh the imperfections that are charming but not shitty (laughs) <laughs> you know, I thought that was
2: cool. Yeah, that was a, that was a great explanation for I, I've I've talked about that before. I call him happy accents, but the way he described it was actually perfect.
1: Yeah. My favorite one of all time. I don't know if I've talked about this on the podcast before, but and I don't know if you're going to know what I'm talking about. You might. My favorite one of these of all time is in. Do you know the Ten Thousand Maniacs cover of Because of the Night yeah. from MTV Unplugged that yeah. became real big in the bridge of that? The Take Me Now part on her third Take Me Now. Natalie Merchant's voice cracks. She goes like, take me now it is like the most perfect like chill inducing voice imperfection and it's just it makes the song it's like the best part you know you know and we, if you take out all the imperfections of a song it sounds like those like radio rock bands where everything's just almost sounds like robots made sterile. it sterile you know? yeah yeah and i don't like that and uh you know nobody
2: likes sterile you know absolutely not well if you'd like to hear more imperfections from Chris and i you can head <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> over to christomakes.com and check out our supporting cast which is our vip program
1: you get extra episodes of the after party featuring chris and myself the After Party podcast is most definitely not sterile. It is full. It is full of imperfections, even though I do put the same amount of love into the editing of it and everything. But we are a little bit looser. We're not diving into particular songs. We have a different theme each week. It's a lot of fun. So many people talk to me about how they enjoy the After Party just as much as they enjoy Chris to makes a podcast. I'm not making that up. I have people tell me that all the time. Uh, yeah, so Christdemakes.com, you could sign up and for the cost of a cup of coffee per month, you can not only get bonus episode of the after party, you can not only get an entire back catalog of those episodes, but you're also supporting the podcast that you
2: love. Absolutely. And hey, just want to thank each and everyone out there that continues to support and listen to this podcast. I really appreciate it. If you haven't already, head over to the Chris Demakes Podcast Facebook group and join up. It's a lot of fun. Lots of weekly interaction, everyday interaction in there. We'd love to have you. And please, tell a friend or two or ten about the show. You guys are what have made us who we are today. Give me a follow on Instagram at less than Chris D. And I want to thank this week's guest,
1: Vinny Caruana for sitting in with us, and we'll see you next week. Do you enjoy the content and production of Krista Makes a Podcast? Do you have an idea for a podcast or an existing podcast that you'd like to take to the next level? Well, check out WeKnowPodcasting.com. At WeKnowPodcasting.com, we have over 25 years of combined experience in the pod field, and we're ready to help you succeed in the golden era of podcasting.
0: Available to players in the U.S., excluding Washington and Michigan. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. Hey, this is Steve
2: Choi, host of the Musicians Guild Podcast, part of the Sound Talent Media Podcast Network. Within the four walls of the Musicians Guild, we'll be discussing the habits, idiosyncrasies,
4: experiences, and general psychology of my friends and peers, all involved with music
3: in various capacities. Listen and subscribe at SoundTalentMedia.com.